With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, and Nate Klaus as we are making our way here through the month of June, guys. Lots going on uh, for Nebraska here this month. Um, you know, a lot of things, but I want to start off first, guys, uh, with this weekend. I mean, you'll have Friday Night Lights on Friday. You'll have the Adidas Pipeline Satellite Camp here on Saturday. Really, Nate, this will be the pinnacle um, of, of the early or kind of the the midway flagpole of the recruiting cycle here as you know we've had the spring game uh, we've had some early unofficial visits but this weekend and particularly next weekend with the big red barbecue and another Friday Night Lights I mean this is kind of um, the the point where it starts to kind of turn typically for Nebraska yeah absolutely this is the time of the year where you know, you're starting official visits. Um, I mean, they've already had one or two you know, with Nash Hutmacher back in April and um, and everything. But between, yeah, basically between this week and next week, that's this signifies the the back end or the beginning of of the the back end of the recruiting cycle. Um, in for Nebraska, you know, this is typically the time of year where things really kind of kick off and get get rolling, where there's mo- a lot of momentum on the recruiting front. Uh, they never really start out all that fast with commitments, and and I know that as the months kind of draw on, people start to get antsy. But usually, this is when the dominoes start to fall. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of how how that all plays out. But uh, they've been on the satellite camp tour. Now they're now they're back home with their own camps and uh, Friday Night Lights and the Pipeline Camp, and and then like I mentioned, uh, a bunch of official visitors. So uh, things are really heating up in that regard. Yeah, and you know, last year there was a month delay for Scott Frost's staff uh, between commits, and th- this year uh, on the same period we're about six weeks, Nate. So it's a little bit longer than last year. Uh, but there are still three, four guys that you you kind of know, Nate, as a recruiting expert that covers Nebraska, that if you had to put a wager down, you think these guys are going to be Huskers. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's a handful of guys where you can kind of point to and say, well, Nebraska's either the team to beat or they are sitting really, really well with, with you know, X, Y, and Z players. And so, um, yeah, it, it's not panic mode or I don't think it's time for people to get – overly worked up about anything it's just uh just kind of how things typically work out you know sometimes sometimes they have six commits by now and and you know but usually they're they're right about the same you know as they you know right now where where they usually are in the past and that's with uh you know three commits three really good commits you got you got three four-star players two of which were in the top 50 in the country so uh it's not like they've you know it's not like they're 
piecing together this uh, <laughs> half-rate recruiting class. I think they've got guys that they really like, and and they're sitting real well with uh, with other players that they really like. And speaking of new commits here, Robin, as we talk um, about things here, Nebraska added a tight end this week, Travis Vol- uh, Vogelek. How do you pronounce the name? Vogelek. 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 Uh, deep ties to Nebraska, uh, Nebraska Omaha as well as. His father, DJ, a longtime college coach, um, you know, that's been in this area for a number of years now at Northern Iowa, tied to the staff. He's going to be a three for two traditional transfer from Rutgers as a tight end. He takes the 30th spot here for Nebraska. They had a total of 30 that they could use, 25 initials plus five countbacks for 2019. They've now used all 30. Um, I think maybe the debate is, you know, Tight end is not a need, Robin, um, but it sounds like maybe the transfer portal just didn't have what Nebraska really wanted, and you don't want to just waste that 30th spot. Right, especially when you have a guy like this who is a Lincoln native. He grew up wanting to play at Nebraska, and so he kind of has everything that you want uh, in a player uh, both on the field and off the field. So it makes a ton of sense there. And obviously the pre-existing relationships um, with Frost and, and his dad and all that. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of just fell in Nebraska's lap to the point where uh, they couldn't not take him. And, you know, I, I think they're going to try to apply for a waiver for him, or at least they're going to look into it. Uh, so maybe that will kind of dictate when he actually sees the field. But worst case, um, you know, you allow yourself to add even more depth to a tight end position that I honestly think Nebraska is going to try and get more involved more than ever this year. I know we've been saying that for like five years now, that when the tight, when's the tight end actually going to be a part of the offense again? I think that's actually going to be a concerted effort this year, and they have the horses to do it. I mean, they're three deep in that group, and then you add in a, a guy like Volkolek who – you look at his numbers, they're deceiving. Uh, I mean, he had, what, like 16 catches? I mean, he played for Rutgers. Yeah, for 120-some yeah. yards and two touchdowns. Well, <clears throat> Rutgers didn't throw the ball at all. They had the one of the worst passing games in the country, and he caught two of their five touchdown passes. And so you look at, like, the percentage of what he made up in Rutgers passing statistics. Like, if you translate that to, like, a Ohio State or something like that, it would be, like, 30 catches for 300 yards and – eight touchdowns. So, I mean, you you kind of kind of put his stats in perspective and not get caught up in what he did at Rutgers into what he potentially could do at Nebraska. And he's a he was a guy that Iowa really really wanted. And and Kansas State. And well, and Kansas State, but I mean, yeah, Iowa I, in particular. If Iowa wants a tight end, yes, you know he's pretty good. Exactly. So, not only is Nebraska adding a really good tight end that's highly thought of by a lot of people in college football, but they're taking a tight tight end away from a rival, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's that in itself is a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard nothing but great things about Travis Vocal. Like I actually got to see him play in in high school. Um, it, he played against CBC in in a in a playoff game. Uh, you know, Christian Brothers College High School, where Trey Bryant was at, and, and Nebraska was recruiting Cameron Brown and Cameron Babb and, and a bunch of other kids there at this high school. Uh, and Vokalek that night was the only player uh, that, that CBC was playing against that c- could do anything against all that talent. And, uh, and he was playing outside linebacker and, and tight end, wide receiver. And, um, and I remember – I actually I talked with some people at the game that night and and uh, they said yeah that kid's going to be a really good football player and and I that's when I first learned that he was the son of DJ Vokalek and he was at the University of he was coaching at Buffalo at that point in time 
uh, with Lance Leipold. But uh, and that's part of the reason why I think he he ended up out on the East Coast is because that's where his father was at. Well, now his father's at, at Northern Iowa, and so he wanted to move back and be closer to the Midwest, uh, closer to his family. And, and I think that's where the waiver is going to come in. I don't know if he'll get it or not, but it seems like everyone's getting a waiver these days. So there, there's a decent chance, I would think, that, that he could get it. But um, but at the, at the same time, I don't know if it's the end of the world if he doesn't get the waiver um, because he has not redshirted. He went to college weighing about 200, 210 pounds. Uh, so maybe a redshirt would be. He could, if he got the waiver, though, he could use the four game rule. Yeah, yeah. He could so the do that. three for two, he could get four free games, mm-hmm. kind of the Noah Vedral uh, deal. But he was, uh, he took more snaps at Rutgers than any tight end last year 393 snaps. Um, you know, so he, I don't know if he was technically their starter, but the next tight end was at 272, Jerome so, Washington. He was, he only played six. I think Washington might have been their starter, if I remember right. He was the starter. He was undrafted free agent by, um, was hurt, did he get hurt last year? He got hurt, and he, he ended up being an undrafted free agent, uh, I think by the Chargers, maybe. Um, so, I mean, the guy that he was technically behind at to begin the season wasn't, you know, chopped yeah, he, liver. He was a pro prospect. Yeah. Clearly. All right. All right. Well, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Guys, I want to get to this, too. Um, another marijuana incident involving Nebraska football players this week, Wondell Robinson was cited with possession um, of marijuana, and it, or it, was, it was found in his vehicle. Was that, yep. I've been on jury duty all week, so um, I've been on the other side of things in the legal process, so I, I haven't been able to really brush up on this whole thing, but uh, found in his vehicle under an ounce, um, but just another, you know, yeah, a, a week after Maurice Washington was yeah. found with paraphernalia and a hot pipe um, still in his possession, um, and then in between all that, Maurice Washington had another court date, which basically got pushed back now to July 25th. So a lot going on there uh, with some of the legal stuff, Robin. Yeah, not the headlines, obviously, you want to be having right now, especially less than a week apart from each other. And, you know, as we've said before, uh, I think regardless of kind of what your stance is on what should and shouldn't be legal, the reality is that Marijuana is illegal in the state of Nebraska. It's illegal on Nebraska's campus. It's illegal by the NCAA. It's illegal by Nebraska's own personal conduct policy. And so don't do it. Don't have it. And if you're going to like insist on doing it, be smarter. Don't do it in your dorm room. Yeah. Don't just be like blazing in your car, whatever it is. I mean, like at some point, these kids got to like kind of handle their own business a little bit and just make better decisions. And, um, you know, it's kind of the process that you're going through when uh, you're trying to build a culture that kind of polices itself a little bit. You're going to have instances like this. And what I'm curious to see is, um, I mean, obviously Maurice's legal situation is a whole nother story, but as far as instances like this, how does Frost do it? I mean, at what point does the coaching staff step in and make a hard line, uh, zero tolerance, three strikes or whatever it is, and what do they do with the maybe the leadership council? Do they have players like step in and say, you know, you guys are going to govern yourselves. And at some point, you guys got to start policing yourselves. And so they're at a pretty good opportunity now with two instances in less than a week uh, to start maybe taking some steps and uh, – shutting this thing down before it gets any further. And, Nate, there might be more with this Wandell thing. We don't even know yet. I mean, we obviously know the charge, but there could be more to the story in-house um, that could be going on as well. Yeah, I think there's – I mean, with with everything that happens like this, there's always, I think, a lot more to the story. Um, and, you know, when I first heard the news, I was completely shocked because from being able to get to know Wandell through the recruiting process, it just did not seem to fit, um, you know, his character – 
you know, he's he's a really intelligent kid. Seemed like he's always got his act together um, and, and is pretty focused and kind of sees the big picture. And I think a lot of times when you're talking about, you know, freshmen or, or younger kids on the team, that's part of the deal. It's, it's their little bit of immaturity. They don't necessarily see the big picture. And so they're making bad decisions and doing things they probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, but Wandell Robinson never really struck me as that kid. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit more to this story, um, you know, and, and if that, you know, ends up coming out at a later date or whatever. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, this is regardless of, of what it is, it's a bad situation and, and something that uh, you hope that it gets kind of rectified. I mean, it's everywhere. It happens on every campus. Um, you know, it's on every football team, but you, you have to you have to be smart about it. Yeah, it's a law. I mean, it's, it's a team rule. It's exactly. a law. Yeah, and high level athletes at a Division one level. Yeah, when you, you know that up, are trying to perform at that level probably yeah. shouldn't be doing that. They yeah. shouldn't be doing that. No, stuff. I mean that's that's really the facts. When you sign up to play college football, regardless if it's at Nebraska or wherever, you're, you're basically saying, okay, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna follow, follow. I'm different. Yeah, I'm following. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm different. I'm gonna follow the rules. I'm gonna follow the laws. Whatever. So, uh, so yeah, not a great thing. But you know, like Robin said, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how Frost handles this whole deal. All right, then, Robin. Briefly here, basketball schedule came out, and <laughs> not a lot of yeah. underwhelming to say the least. I'll, I'll tell you one thing though; it's still gonna be sold out. Oh no! And well. you know, we've we've got a mutual buddy that is involved in tickets, and you know, he's anticipating prices for PBA to be as high as ever been, especially for early games that typically don't draw. I mean, there's still going to be, they, they could have Doan coming in there and they're going to have Doan coming in there they and, and they're going to sell that game out. Yeah. That'll be the unofficial debut with the loan exhibition game on October 30th. But yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to schedule light, but this is about as light as it possibly South Dakota gets. state's like the best home game. That is the best home game. And last year they finished 92nd in the final RPI rankings. So, and they were the only team that had a 500 record or better that's coming to PBA in the non-conference. And so your best games are at Creighton, at Georgia Tech, and then whoever they are to be paired against in the Cayman Islands Classic uh, in late November. And, and to be fair, they have 22 today that we know power league games, 20 conference games, Creighton, Georgia Tech, yeah. and then whoever they play in the they islands. get a couple more. And game. they might get two. So you're looking at 23, 24 power league games, if not 25. So – it's a decent schedule. It just is going to suck in Lincoln for the non-conference, but that yeah. might be what this team needs. Yeah, and so keep in mind, when they assembled the majority of this schedule, they barely had a team. I mean, like I'd say probably about 80% of the roster was still yet to be determined. Their starting so, five was like Brady Hyman and yeah, Thor. and dudes that aren't here. Amir Harris. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they had no idea what they had to work with. And so rather than uh, just kind of schedule like you normally would to, to build an NCAA tournament resume – they scheduled to make year one kind of an easy transition and provide some opportunities to gain confidence and build momentum and have some tangible evidence that what Fred Hoiberg is doing is going to work. And now they're going to face a meat grinder in the Big Ten, but uh, at least the first part, they get some tests. It won't be nearly daunting, uh, but it'll allow ample opportunity for this young team that's never even been in the same room together uh, to kind of gel a little bit. All right, when we come back, the one, the only Mike Wheeler will join us in studio for the mailbag. We'll take your questions next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.